If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Georgia Tech is proud of its many traditions, but the one I find most exciting is our tradition of excellence. Our mission as students is not to follow in the footsteps of the astronauts, Nobel Prize laureates, and president who graduated before us, but to exceed their footsteps, crush the shoulders of the giants upon whom we stand. We here are all such innovative people, so I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. So what is this? This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? This is the podcast by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. I'm Steven, one of the hosts. I'm the Georgia Tech alum. With me is Joshua. He is the Georgia Tech fan. He's also a sports media guy, but we let him in because he knows what's the good word. And Joshua, what is the good word? To hell with Georgia. What is the good word, Stephen? For me, it is always to hell with Georgia. All right. We're bringing, we're bringing the gospel to the people. <laughs> All right. We got the most important thing out of the way. The rest of this is just gravy. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, we're so glad you're here. Make sure you uh, let us know, leave us a review, tell other people about the show, especially if you like it. What we do on this show, uh, we do this show specifically for Georgia Tech fans and alum because they are different from everybody else. What are the ways they're different is they are getting stuff done. They got lives to lead. They got stuff to build. They got empires to run. So they don't want to waste a time. What we try to do is bring you as much Georgia Tech athletic news uh, and facts and recruiting and other stuff that we can find. We bring it to you. We give it to you in a nice condensed news version. Then we spend the second half of the show going a little bit more in depth. And today, since we are recording this after the Georgia Tech Clemson game, Joshua, tell them about the in-depth part we're going to do at the end of the show. Well, I am I'm introducing a segment uh, more or less that we'll probably use specifically for football, maybe for basketball. We'll see. But it's basically called who's hot and who's not, because we don't want to give you a long, you know, play by play, quarter by quarter breakdown of, well, you know, he did it this on this play and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, because like like Steven said, you guys got things. We don't want to keep. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring you um, a few names, a few position groups, a few specific things that happened against Clemson. Uh, we're going to tell you what we saw, what went, looked good and what looked bad, because there was a little bit of both in this game. All right. So let's get to the news before we do what's hot, what's not. Joshua, what would you like to make sure and everybody knows factually from the game? Well, um, 41 to 10, as you said, but uh, that sounds a lot worse than it was because Georgia Tech was in this game up until the end of the third quarter. Uh, it was 14 to 10, about halfway through the third. Georgia, uh, Clemson then hit a field goal to go up 17 to 10 with about five minutes left. Um, and then they would just continue to score touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after that. Um, biggest reason for that that I could find was Charlie Thomas got ejected for a by the book a targeting penalty. 
I'm not going to go into my rant about why the targeting penalty is so stupid and why Charlie Thomas should not have been kicked out there because the offensive player was the one that lowered his head. The offensive player initiated the helmet-to-helmet contact, and yet Charlie gets ejected even though he already launched. Don't know what he could have done, but that's the letter of the law. Um, again, the law is stupid, but, you know. I'll, I, I will join in your rant for just 30 seconds. We promise we're not getting into I'll hang up and listen. I think the law needs to be changed to potentially penalize offensive players. They've been teaching players, and if you watch football over the last few years, you see a lot more shoulder tackles, head-up tackles, doing things the right way, doing things the safe way. I think they need to penalize offensive players who lead with their helmets. But that's another story. Especially, especially after, because Charlie had already launched. You can't, he can't change right. his trajectory while he's like leaning for it. But either way, um, Georgia Tech did get out gained 386 to 237. Um, the offense, they had their moments, uh, but they did kind of struggle to move the ball consistently. Um, you know, had a lot of, had a lot of good passing plays. The running game never really got started. Um, we'll get into exactly why later on in the segment. Um, and then, but the best thing that I can give you that I took away from this flashes of decency for the first half to three quarters of this game, Georgia tech looked like a power five football team, which if you had watched us at the end of last year, they didn't look like, so to see them hang in and not just hang with Clemson, they were given DJ Ugalele problems. DJ looked lost out. He, he had some good runs, but he had some horrible throws. He was not comfortable in that pocket. Georgia Tech had made some good tackles at the, in the first quarter. That D-line was getting pushed up front. It, and on the offensive end, you know, the wide receivers were making plays. We'll get into Jeff Sims, but. And, and, and by the way, a lot of times when a score is 41 to 10, you uh, and, and Georgia Tech had 250 yards of offense. Clemson only had 300 and some. Uh, and a lot of times, it'll be, well, that was garbage time. Uh, Georgia Tech did not do a lot offensively in the last two or three drives. So no. they made some, they made a lot of their hay against the first string Clemson defense. And they, that is the best defense they might face. But they're only, there's only a couple more that'll be even close to what they faced. Now, so last piece of news, they play Western Carolina this Saturday night. Um, the one thing I will say about the Western Carolina game, if you follow the Jeff Collins era, one of the problems has been we play down to competition or we are so bad that we can't get above any level of competition. It would appear with the way we played on Clemson, the level of competition, the level of quality of player is there that this should be a team we beat and potentially put away, which hasn't happened in the Collins era yet. So the best possible scenario for this Saturday, I think, is we show up and show out against Western Carolina, beat them by two touchdowns or more. That would be a great response to this game to show, no, no, we are growing. We potentially have something here. We might have a chance to be a team that to, that we can be in some games because they were in this game for a while. Um, yeah. They weren't in it at the end, but they were in it for a while. All right. Is that enough on that? I, I think so. I think move on. Cause like we said, we're talking about this in the second segment. So we don't want to, want to spoil too much. 
I understand. Okay, so uh, real quick, some other sports news, which there are there's some fantastic sports news uh, going around uh, around other Georgia Tech athletics. Real quick, uh, I want to give a shout out again to the Georgia Tech volleyball team. Uh, they are currently five and zero on their season. They are ranked uh, number five uh, in the country uh, for the second week in a row. That is uh, their highest ranking uh, ever. They previously had gotten to number five in 2003, uh, and they just recently came off of wins against uh, Dayton, Arizona State, and FIU. And this week, two very big matches, both at home. Thursday, they played number 10 BYU, and Sunday, they play number eight Ohio State, both here at home. Uh, so fantastic opportunity. Uh, if you're looking for some real good athletics, go see the Georgia Tech volleyball game face two top 10 opponents uh, before they get into their ACC schedule. Uh, so check out one of those games uh, if you can. Uh, Joshua, another piece of uh, uh, sports news that you wanted to go over real quick. So there's another um, sport that's getting started, the women's tennis team. Uh, they're going to have a fall slate that they're pulling up. Normally tennis is a spring sport, but um, Tech's women's team is going to be playing during the fall, and it looks like they've got some high-profile players on this squad. They've got two duos that are ranked in the top 10. They've got Carol Lee and Kate Sarabura. They are number one in the nation, which is quite impressive. And then you've got Ava Hrastar and Kylie Bilchan. They're number nine. Um, and not only that, in singles, all three of those uh, with young ladies are ranked uh, individually with uh, Carol Lee coming in at 16, Bilchev coming in at 73, and Hrastar coming in at 118. So Georgia Tech women's tennis got some, got some hitters on that squad. And uh, we'll see how the men's team uh, steps up and whether they join uh, in the parade. But yeah, really, uh, I'll show my age. Uh, very first time I saw any kind of Georgia Tech preseason number one was the basketball team in 85. So uh, so that's been a while. Uh, and I know there have been other preseason number one, but good to see Georgia Tech Athletics have a number one preseason ranking. The other uh, preseason uh ranking that I wanted to talk about is the golf team. The men's golf team is preseason ranked number five. Now I got this off ramblingrec.com and they said that they've been tabbed number three uh, in a preseason ranking by golf channel and number four by golf week magazine. But they said uh, top five in the preseason. I'm not sure how number three and number four mean number five. Maybe it was a, uh, some Northern Georgia university that uh, screwed that up. But anyway, they have, uh, they were uh, preseason number five, like I said, seniors, Bartley Forrester, Connor, Connor Howe and Ross Steelman, junior Christo Lamprecht uh, and sophomore Benjamin Reuter. Uh, they are all were on last season's team and they are all returning uh, to for this season. So that is part of the reason why they are ranked so high because last season uh, they finished very strongly uh, in the ACC tournament and in the uh, NCAA finals. So really strong returning team. We'll see how they do. I believe they have some fall matches. We'll try to keep you updated, but very good news uh, both on the tennis front and on the golf front. So good luck to those teams. 
Joshua, I believe we want to talk about recruiting real quick. So why don't you hit us some with some recruiting news that you found? Well, I've got I've got two little tidbits, both on different sports, uh, as it should be. So at the Clemson game, uh, George Tech used it as an opportunity to bring in a ton of recruits and prospects for the 2023 and 2024 class for football. Um, a lot of the kids that are already committed were there, but they also had a few others, some big name targets that they are currently looking at. Um, the biggest one, both literally and figuratively, uh, Gabriel Fortson out of North Cobb Christian. He's an O lineman. Um, he, they're considered Jacks are considered the favorite for him. He's a big kid. Uh, would fit the theme of this recruiting class. A ton of kids on both sides, both sides of the line. Um, they also brought in Javion Clark, who's a cornerback out of Jones County. He was committed to the Jackets, decommitted, but he's he's apparently still looking at him. Uh, che Ojerikre, who's from Denmark, took an official visit to Tech in June, was there at the game. Uh, they also brought in Damari Franklin and Christian Cal- Caballero um, from various other places. They also brought in a few recruits uh, that are currently committed elsewhere, but you know, obviously in college football, especially in the modern day, everybody flips at least once, it seems like. Uh, so biggest names, Jalen Smith, linebacker from Grayson, who's committed to Tennessee. Uh, Joseph Stone, also from Grayson, who's committed to LSU. And then the other real big one was Dakari Swain, who was committed to South Carolina. So it looks like they're trying to, trying to snag some SEC players. Uh, the other big one comes out about the 2024 basketball. Um, Georgia Tech over the Labor Day weekend, uh, they were able to get a visit from 2024 prospect Caleb Williams, not to be confused with the USC quarterback. Uh, he's a 6'7", 215-pound wing forward out of Washington, D.C., because apparently Passner likes to recruit the Northeast. I don't really know why, but he did get Alvarado in Cleveland, so it makes sense. Hey, um, because that's Bobby Kremen's area, buddy, so don't forget hey, it. If we get players and they play well, I'll take it. I'm not complaining. Either way, um, looking at his um, offer list, uh, it's actually it's not a bad offer list. He's got offers from Maryland, Georgetown, Pitt, Old Miss, Villanova, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and VCU, among others. So looks like he's being sought after by some high-level competition. See if Tech is able to snag a signature for the 2024 class. So one other recruiting note that I'll add, uh, clearly you you hogged all the recruiting news. Man, good stuff. So 24 Sports had reported uh, a little bit ago that Vashon Alette, I hope I'm saying that name correctly, he is a top 100 point guard. He is a four-star recruit, 6'3", 180 pound. He announced that he had narrowed his search down to 10 schools, uh, Arizona State, Boston College, UCSB, VCU, Buffalo, SMU, DePaul, St. John's, and Dayton, and Georgia Tech. The other thing that he had announced is he's allowed five official visits. He has said he wants to take all five visits, but what I thought was interesting was he knows his first two. He's not sure of his last three, and the first two he had announced, he's already done the one to Arizona State apparently last week. And coming up in a week or so, he is doing an official visit to Georgia. So, uh, and he said, I'm going to commit by maybe October or November at the latest. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Vashon Alette sounds like he's warm to Georgia Tech. So we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed and be nice to get a, another young point guard to get in the line uh, behind what we have. So. 
uh, that it's that's it for the news. Uh, thank you guys for listening to that. If you want to take off, you don't want to hear uh, any more about uh, the Clemson Georgia Tech game. Uh, you can stop here. Of course, if you want to hang on, hang in there. Let's uh, we got a new segment. What who's hot and who's not. So, Joshua, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Uh, start us off. Tell us, uh, I, I guess we should start with who's hot. You want to alternate? We didn't kind of do this pre-show, so we're kind of winging it a little bit. Uh, I feel like we're, uh, uh, I feel like we're at Junior's Grill and we're just taking the, going down the line and kind of picking the best, the, what looks the best. So that's kind of, that's kind of the point of this segment. I don't want it to be super, super formal. Just kind of want to bounce some ideas off each other, make sure that the, uh, listeners at home, Kind of hear our thoughts. Uh, do want to start with who's hot because the biggest takeaway I had from this game comes down to this first person I want to talk about, and that is Jeff Sims. That was a different Jeff Sims out there, and I think it was half game planning. I think Chip Long's, I think Chip Long did what every good offensive coordinator should do, which is he saw Clemson has the second best defensive line in the nation behind Georgia. I have an offensive line filled with people who have never started a game. Or if they have, they've started less than 10. I need to get the ball out of this man's hands as fast as possible or he will die. And that is exactly what happened. Jeff Sims was decisive. He hit his first read every time. If it was a screen pass, he hit the screen. If it was a slant, he hit the slant. If it was a swing, he hit the swing. Jeff, and when he had to stand in the pocket, he was very calm. He was very cool. He let the play develop. Um, If you look at his box score, if you didn't watch the game and you look, he went 23 for 36 for 164 yards, a touchdown and interception. You know, that's not going to look super great. But when you take into consideration everything that was going around and also the Jeff Sims that we've seen in the last, you know, two years, this was a completely different man. To be to be accurate to the point where you're completing two out of every three passes against Clemson. That Mm -hmm. is that's that's game planning. Yes. And that's showing accuracy, which is what we needed to see from Jeff Sims. I saw only one bad read or just bad mistake that that happened just before the touchdown. He kind of got rushed and he threw into what looked like triple coverage and kind of got lucky. It didn't get intercepted. That was the one time that I was like, oh, what are you doing? Every other throw was fantastic. By the way, 23 of 36. And there were three or four clear drops that were not, I mean, not even like, Oh, he should have had it. I'm like, how can you not have it? That was on your hands or in your numbers. So Jeff Sims showed he has progressed. And the other thing, that dude's a tank, man. Uh, He's always fast. Now he's like, they're having trouble bringing him down. I mean, six, four, two twenty. I mean, that's, that's Derek Henry levels of, of bulk. And you could see it. He was, there were plays where he was running into defenders and I was like, oh, that's it. And he got five more, you know, those, those two QB sneaks that they ran on that, on that first real big drive after the interception, I was like, it's not even a challenge for him. I mean, he's, yeah. he's running through people. So yeah. So I'd I like to see more design QB runs, but I mean, I'm not the coach, obviously. <laughs> um, give me uh so that's good. Give me your first. Who's not uh, the offensive line, the yeah. whole, the whole group. Specifically, I wanted to name somebody, so I went with Jordan Williams because it looked like he was getting cooked the most. Um, They were killing him on the outside. But in all fairness, every time they had a run play, before the running back even touched the ball, there were two Clemson defenders in the backfield at all times. Anytime Jeff Sims dropped back, like that, that, the interception that he threw wasn't really his fault. He had time to three-step drop, set his feet, look down, and then he was already about to get hit. So he didn't have time to open up with that deep shot. 
but yeah. it was designed for the deep shot, so they threw it anyway. Uh, the O-line was getting bullied all night. Whether it was absolutely whiffed blocks that I saw multiple times, uh, of course, the false start penalties, which you can say that, you know, Clemson was movement and that I, I, you know, shifting, you should know, you should be better than that because we were doing the same thing and nobody on Clemson was doing it. Now, the one thing I noticed I'll add here and we might talk about him more, but I did notice a little bit of a different tone from Jeff Collins in saying that it's unacceptable. We've got to clean that up. In the past, he's always been so positive of focus on the positives and we're close, we're close. That that was, this can't happen. And I, I and I not necessarily heard that from him yeah. before. So whether it's just lip service, we'll see. And unfortunately, we can't be patient with those guys because we got to, we got to have it. Um, yeah, we need to get so I I think I think given how poorly they played, I I think the question will be can can teams scheme against Chip Long getting everything out quick because our O line is so bad. Uh, well, so context is necessary. Clemson has three NFL caliber D linebackers plus two NFL caliber linebackers. So we're not going to be facing that talent level. And probably until we play Georgia. And because, that's where and, and that's where I go back to I'm very curious what will happen this week. So yeah, exactly. can the O line show, hey, we can handle our business when it's not NFL level talent? NFL, yeah. First round NFL talent. It right. wasn't even just like sixth round. Like like Miles Murphy and Brian Brisset are gonna be top ten picks. Right. Like I, I easy. So, so Context is necessary there. And so let's not over let's not over yeah. and overreact let's to the first game. I, yeah. I do want to shout out Corey Robinson in his first career start. I didn't see him get beat too much. Um Pierce Quick. I noticed they were rotating guards in and out. They started with um Vipalu and um uh Fusile, Fusile, however you say his name, and then they Fusali, rode, yeah. They, they got Pierce Quick in there, they got Paul Chow in there. Pierce Quick got shouted out on the broadcast, so I think yeah. out of all of them, Pierce probably had the best game. Not saying much, but um, right, yeah. Moving on to the other side of the ball, the other one that I I enjoyed watching was so who's defensive. hot number two? Who's hot number two? I, the defensive line, specifically Keon White. I uh, think we saw exactly why Bruce Bruce Feldman from the Athletic called him a freak. I mean, he was his get off on the line was explosive. He is strong. A man that size shouldn't be able to move that quickly. But the whole D-line, really, at uh, the beginning of the game was was getting a lot of push. We had, we had said last week uh, they were going to have to put the game into DJ Ugalele's hands to really have a shot. And they did that at first. And as we saw, the game was close. Once that running game started to go go for Clemson, that's where really started to, you know, you started to see the difference. Um, when the running game was going, Ugalele's job was easier. That came down to Charlie Thomas getting ejected, I think, but you know Zeke Biggers had some big plays. Um, like when I saw Kyle Kennard had a few a uh, few pressures. Yep. You know the Tech might have some solid edge rushers this year. Well, and and Clemson has shown us over the years if you can get to the quarterback with four, that helps your yeah, you know that helps your defense because you can drop seven and that you know I mean it, so if Tech is showing that perhaps they can get some pressure with four. And occasionally blitz, 
that would absolutely help their defense. Uh, by the way, Bayer's, uh, I, I always like to kind of, you know, you know, Biggers just seems like a guy that's easy to root for. He's just this mountain of a man and uh, and has some unnatural speed for his size. Yeah. So I'm, I'm rooting for that guy. I love I love, you know, I'm going to root for all of them, but that guy's easy to root for. Um, the uh, the other thing I'm going to say with the what's hot, since you mentioned the defensive line, I'm going to say the tackling. And yeah. I apologize, but as a tech alum. And I'll, this goes back to the wall. I, I, that is the one thing where you just like, can you just tackle people? So not a lot of broken tackles. Yeah. If we keep that up, if you can start with a fundamental of bring the guy down and gang tackling and just not letting them get a lot of extra yards and broken tackles, boy, guys, if you do that all year, I'll, I will strongly appreciate the effort because that's anybody can do that. So yeah. Let's stick with that fundamental. Uh, who's not? I, I don't want to pick on the kid because he's. I know he's probably down to the dunks, but Luke Benson had a horrible game. Um, the transfer tight end from Syracuse, the coaching staff apparently was excited about him, but all I saw was that dude missing blocks and dropping passes. Um, you know, Unfortunately, I think he's the most talented guy in the room, so he's going to get a lot more. Uh, he's going to get plenty of reps. And because EJ Jenkins is clearly a wide receiver in the coaching staff's eyes, not a tight end, but he, I mean, he missed the block on the first block punt. Um, he dropped a wide open reception that would have gotten him tech a first down. Um, he missed a few blocks in the run game and the pass game. I just, I, I didn't see him do something positive. Let's, let's keep it that way. And and in this offense, with our offensive line, the tight end has to be huge because you're going to get a lot of dumps. You're going to get a lot of you're going to get a lot of, you know, blitzing and find the open space and and release valve. I mean, that's you've got to be that. So he's got to improve or they need to move EJ to tight end and, you know, give him that. But that would be limiting, I think, his skills. So he's not a blocker. There's a reason that they moved him out wide. He's yeah. not. He's All a, right, so he's a esque weapon. Give me your next who's hot. My next one, um, a little bit of an unconventional pick because in the box score, it doesn't look like he really did anything. Zamari Walton um, over at corner. Every time they showed him, he was hand fighting with receivers and keeping them from bringing the ball down. I think he got, they gave up one catch that I can remember. He was right there. But all the other times he was in that receiver's pocket, he was making sure they couldn't get their hands up. They were not comfortable. And he was fighting for every inch, and he let Clemson know about it too. And and I'm I'm gonna jump on that, and I'm gonna say the entire defensive backfield I thought did a fantastic job. A lot of a lot of you know stand right up in their grill, get you know getting hands in it, uh, you know doing what they needed to do. I think there was only one uh, uh, interference penalty. If you can stay aggressive and and face up you know, and, and really be aggressive with your coverage, that's going to really help the rest of the defense, obviously. Um, and uh, last, and another who's not. Um, so it's, I don't know how to say it, but the defense after Charlie Thomas's ejection looked completely different. And I don't know how much of it was they were tired because they'd been on the field so much. Or how much of it is Charlie Thomas is just that important. But the moment he was off the field, 
Ace Ali wasn't as effective. The run defense wasn't as effective. And that kind of opened up the pass game for Clemson. So I guess I, I don't know how to phrase it. I just like the de- once Charlie got kicked out, again, for a terrible rule or rule in general that I don't like, um, the defense just looked completely different. So, and I don't want to overanalyze it, and I'm not sure. I, I think I, I think a few things. We said on the last episode that the coaching staff had said they were going to keep the best players on the field. If you do that, you run the risk of them getting tired at the end of the game. They were on the field for a lot of plays. Um, the the offense doing three and outs and, and running fast, they, there were a ton of plays. So if you're going to run a ton of plays, it, it, you run the chance of running out. Uh, or, or, you know, kind of gassing out. And I think that there was an element to doing that. I also think the longer you play a game like this, good teams start to adjust. We adjusted to Clemson's defense and kind of found our offensive step. They did too. They figured they found some plays that work. And if, if you can't adjust again, then you're going to have trouble. And I think that's kind of what tech ran into. Um, and you know, I, Clemson finally showed up and and kind of played yeah. good. You know, I call, call it what it is. I don't want to overanalyze it. So uh, one more who's hot and who's not. Um, the the receiver you pointed out, Jenkins, um, that boy can ball. Yeah, he, he's a big boy. He is he is a player. Um, I, I I had a flashback of good old Calvin. Uh, watched, you know, just I thought I got more Darren Waller vibes from him. Yeah, that's because uh, just point. so stinking big. Yeah, because Calvin, Calvin's one of one. You know, there's not another Calvin. I, I know, I know. I I overreacted. I said EJ and Waller. I think they both kind of got the. And he, but even at this point, I think EJ is a little bit more nuanced because you know he hasn't been playing in a triple option offense. I mean that 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 corner route that he ran was was a nice route. And Sims had great ball placement on that. And and if Sims can again, if Sims can stay accurate, and if and and if our receivers can get open, and I think I saw some flashes, that's man, that's going to really help. Yeah. Nate McCollum, uh, the, that's another guy I wanted to shout out. Nate McCollum was really yes. good at finding the yes. zones. And he, and, was, and he was all over the place. And coming out of preseason, they were saying he was Sims's favorite target. And again, if you're getting the ball out quick, that slot receiver is going to be going to be huge, yeah. and that's where Nate played. Um, the who's not that I wanted to mention is I want to mention Collins. Um, everybody's going to focus on the, you know, he didn't call the timeout, uh, on the fourth down. I understand his reasoning for that. You can disagree with it, but you, you've got it close and you don't want to give Clemson any thoughts of, well, let's go for it because there was enough time for them to score again. So I understand his reasoning. You can disagree with it. I just and and they're going to talk about the three timeouts kind of burned. I, I just I think it's pretty clear we haven't been able to see Jeff Collins do a lot of game management because he's been he's been trying to build something and he's not been in a lot of games. So the, that lack of experience showed. I, I just think there were some when you're going up against Clemson there, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to compare him to Paul, but you know, Paul had Paul knew when to gamble, and 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 when you're the underdog, you've got to you've got to take your shots. And there just were a couple times, and like in the fourth quarter, the game's getting out of hand, and they go three and out. I just you know one of those 
come on, let's let's try to build something. Let's try to uh, let's try to get better. And, and I'll try to finish with a positive on it. I did think again his post game comments. I appreciated the fact that he said, "Hey, that's on us. We got to get better." So I mean, he didn't make excuses and he didn't, you know, culture and positivity. He knows. He's not an idiot, so he knows he's he's got to say it's it's on us and we got to clean it up. So let's give him a chance. He's got a chance to clean it up, come out and and decisively win, at least win, if not decisively win against Western Carolina, get it to one and one and go to the next tough part of the schedule. And again, if you ignore the fourth quarter, this was a good game for yes. Tech. I mean, that's that's not it's not a bad game. I mean, obviously you would like to be in it and you don't want to lose by that many, but at the well, same time, we were in the game until we just wore out. Because and, and here's the thing. Up. And here's the thing. First three years of Jeff Collins, how many times were we actually in a game, especially against a, a ranked opponent? So Last it's, year against the same team. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, hey, okay, you're giving us hope because we competed and we were close up to the third quarter. Then you have to give the dichotomy of it's inexcusable to have two punts blocked in a game. Inexcusable. You cannot let that happen. Ten or however many false start penalties, seven, eight, whatever. You you can't do that. So so it's the so yet again, here we are as tech alum. At least we've got a flash of ooh. Ooh, maybe, maybe we're getting there. And then you go, but it! how can you let two punts get blocked? It's just absolutely inexcusable. And and yeah. I don't think it was the punter. I don't think he was slow. You just whiffed on blocks. You can't whiff on blocks. You watch it, especially for the first one, you watch it like Luke Benson got a hand on him, but he didn't get any resistance. He just, it's, you just, it's missed assignments. It's missed assignments. And we're supposed to be smarter than and, that. So some of it is, you know, we punted 10 times. But I don't care. It, we better end the season with only two block punts because that that cannot happen again. That's how that's how you that's how you keep from being a winning program. Winning programs don't let that stuff happen. Yeah. So anyway, all right, we 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 got it out. I hope you guys enjoyed who's hot, who's not. I, I don't know if we'll do it after every game. Uh, but we did it after this game, so I appreciate you guys hanging with us. Uh, Joshua, any parting comments? Um, I am excited for basketball season <laughs> because in the end, that's the sport I follow a little bit closer, especially for college athletics, because I prefer it to college football. Um, if you really want to know my full thoughts, you can probably watch me. I have another show on YouTube um, that I do with my um, – I do a called takeover, talk a little bit more about the macro elements of sports. Um, I have definitely ranted about college football once or twice on there about why I don't like it as a fan of a non Alabama, OSU, Georgia team. But, um, you know, basketball is, is coming up here soon. Uh, got, I think you got some things to get excited about, uh, but you know, not to look ahead. There's some things to be excited about with this football team. Well, I, I was going to say this football team is going to be one of two things. My 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 uh, parting comment before we uh, get out, as uh, tech grads like to say, uh, people like to look at an accident. 
when they when they drive when they're driving on the road and you you see there's an accident ahead, everybody slows down to look. This potentially is one of two things. This is either going to be an accident that we can watch week by week, and because that's what la- last year was a ten car pileup, is the same thing going to happen? And is he going to lose his job? Or, and again, because they showed a flash or two, it's like. Is are they showing some improvement? And if they show some improvement as a fan and alum, I want to be there to watch it. So uh, so I'm curious to see how this season goes. Yes, I am also excited about basketball season. We need to do that in depth of what we kind of see ahead for the basketball program before they start up games. Maybe next week is the time to do it after the Western Carolina game. We'll see. Uh, I I hope you guys found this profitable and enjoyable Uh, for Joshua. I am Stephen. And we just want to remind you guys and ask you a very important life question. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia. With that, we'll catch you next time.